getting into the top picks, course preview, top staff fits, top in course history, top specialists, top recent form, and core plays for the Players' Championship. Going to give you guys a first look build as well. Got a lot to cover. Let's get into it. All right, so getting into the Players' Championship, this is probably the best tournament that we get for fantasy golf really throughout the whole season, and it's because it is a tournament filled with the best players in the world. Top down, it's the best field that we get, especially in terms of the size that we get. So with that, it typically does lead to some easier line of pass, some really great value that we get. And we've gotten that the past few elevated events, and now it's going to be even more so. Like Terrell Hatton at his price last week, top five play, end up really paying off. We're going to see that a lot in this tournament as well. Now, looking at this tournament, guys, we know what to expect from it for the most part. The only issue that we have with this tournament is simply the fact that last year we saw a very significant weather delay where literally the top seven plays in the field last year were taken out due to the weather. And Cam Smith ended up being really the only obvious play in the other weather wave, and he ended up winning. Okay, so with that, with that weather issue, the course history day that we're pulling in is not going to be as significant, especially given the fact that in 2020, the tournament got canceled after one round due to COVID. So with that, I, like we don't have that the best sample size to use course history wise. So that's the biggest issue. Now we do know which key stats to be pulling in on. So if we just look at like the 2021 season, I would say that was pretty accurate in terms of how we expect this tournament to play. It is typically typically a normal to hard scoring event, you know, under par or even par. It's like minus one or slightly over par. Like it typically just plays normal. Like the winning score is not like anything that's even close to 20 under par as well for the most part as well. So normal scoring event, TPC style course, TPC sawgrass. We know Florida, we know Pete Dye course design. We know what to expect from this tournament. There are a lot of water hazards in play. So that'll be a kind of key stat that we'll be looking at in terms of the specialist data as well when we get there. But with that, we know what to expect. Like uh, players that struggle ball striking total driving are going to be players that struggle this week. Uh, and it's really just a tournament that does show that you need to be playing well on all facets of your game. Uh, and that's shown here by the 200 plus yards range, but also having wedge be kind of a significant data point as well. So all interesting stuff there. We know what to look at. And so like I mentioned, guys, the toughest part about this week is literally going to be the fact that the course history data that we're pulling in is not desirable. And like, look at it. We have to go to 2018. Typically speaking, we don't want to go back past four years because that's when course history, the significance of it, like mattering really starts to fall off. Okay. Now we have to do that this year because, well, we just don't have that 2020 start. And now looking at it, like Keegan Bradley, I think is going to be everyone's favorite deep bomb play. And I think he's going to be everyone's favorite value play as he probably should be. He's a player that's looking like he's going to be way too cheap this week. He's looking like a player that is going to be a play that we're, we are just ending up on a lot from their dip. Doug in. That's a little bit shocking. JT, former winner, uh, really came from behind that year, but we can see that. Will Zalatoris, 26th and 21st place finish. Corey Connors is going to be another good value. And this is the interesting part about it. Like I said, a lot of the top end players last year, like literally, I think it was the top seven players had the the unfavorable tee time wave. And so a lot of them uh, just didn't have good starts. So a lot of them are getting knocked a little bit course history wise. Okay. Uh, so just very interesting stuff there, course history. Uh, I would say, yeah, if they, if they made the cut, Last year, great. If not, oh, well, like we, we are just really going to be looking for players that have had upside finish, I think this year, or just course experience. I think that's going to go a long ways this week. And so with that, we might be defaulting to maybe recent form a little bit more or potentially even the specialist data a little bit more and looking at like no shot there. Uh, John Rom coming in the best recent form uh, and then Scotty, then Rory, Tony Finau, a little bit shocking there that he's getting bumped up over Max Homan. Now Max Homan has been playing some extremely good golf as well. I would say those two are basically the exact same. And it looks like Tony's just getting the slight knock or slight advantage long term ish with his form. 
but <laughs> they're the same. Okay, Patrick Canley have been playing some great golf. I mean, really no shocks here. Ryan Fox popping up there because we include the DP Tour starts. I mean, that's the biggest shock there. Uh, but we have a lot of golfers playing some great golf. Okay, Ricky Fowler popping up there. Kind of love to see that. I think he's going to be an interesting name this week. So I do think specialist data is going to be a very interesting data point to go off of this week uh, because TPC Sawgrass is a very unique course, right? Uh, you could do it by course designer. Who are the best Pete Dye course design players over their past five starts? Okay, very interesting list there. Probably not a list that a lot of people would have saw coming. We could do by fairway width. Who are the best players uh, fairway width wise? We do by green speeds. We do by green width. Okay, smaller greens. Who are the best players on these smaller greens? A lot of interesting data points to go into. We could go by location, best Florida scores. I mean, no real shocks there. Justin Saw popping up there. He's going to be an interesting value play. Uh, best players on normal scoring tracks. Interesting data point there. We go by rough length. We go by style, TPC course designs. We go by water hazards in play. So just a bunch of interesting data points to go off of. But I, honestly, I would say like this is a week in which we don't need to like dial in on any particular data point. We just want to be looking at the full allotment of the sample size. So we're seeing John Rahm, Roy, Max, I'm like no real shocks there. We're not going to get any like small sample size players really popping up there in terms of top specialists so i might be defaulting to this a little bit more than i do uh course history and some people might be wondering well why don't you look at comp course history uh well because course history is more predictive than comp course history but also we are doing that exact thing just more detailed here by looking at the specialist because we're pulling in unique data points from those courses um, and putting them into the specialist that's why i don't look at comp course and then just real quick looking at the best staff fits so I don't, I don't get why Ming Lee keeps popping up, to be honest with you guys. And that's also why I had the small sample size adjustment in the 9-5 to five mile. But from there, Patrick Hanley popping up as the second best staff at Rory, Tony Finau, Terrell Hatton, John Rahm, Ryan Fox, Sanjay M, Corey Connors, Keith Mitchell, Scotty Scheffler, Keegan Bradley. Tom Kim. Kevin Yu is another small sample size play, but he might be someone we potentially look at as well. So a bunch of interesting stuff there, guys. Let's go ahead and get into what you guys came for here. Let's get into the top plays for this week. So once again this week, I would say that the move would be to roll John Rahm as your top player in the field. Now, I would say given his performance last week where he fell off in round two and round three, and, and honestly, guys, this is a very interesting thing. Um, I would say to me, and I know it's not all the players, but a lot of the players that we saw really like do well in round two were the players that mostly finished their roundup before the bad weather came in or the players that were battling through the same conditions throughout the whole day. To me, it's when we see the 10 mile per hour winds go to 30 mile per hour winds mid round. It's tough for the players to adjust. So I don't know. I kind of writing that off a little bit. Uh, then the 76 in round three is more or less the most alarming thing to me. But then a 72nd place finish. Like I'm fine with it. Like coming off of a victory. Oh, well, had the first round lead played well. He should be able to play well as well. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say he should be 12K based off of his performance last week. 39th place finish. But I will say he is still going to be the top player on the board this week. A player that I think we should be going out of our way to play. He's finished 55th. 9th, 12th, and 63rd at this tournament. Okay, key stat-wise, really no alarming stat fits that we're looking at, uh, key data stats that we're looking at. Okay, recent form-wise, best in the field. Specialist-wise, best in the field. Has the most likely make-up percent at 97%. Coming in as the top player in the 9-5 to model, just a player that we should be trying to go out of our way to play. And then from there, Scotty Scheffler, like coming in in the second best recent form in the field. Uh, course history-wise, 55th and missed cut. Okay, really not the best, but given the fact that, you know, in his first start here, missed the cut. Oh, well. And then last year, 55th. Oh, well, has that course experience. So at least he has that. And I feel comfortable dialing in on him as a play. Now, 
he's going to come in as the seventh best specialist in the field and the 12th best staff in the field. Overall, just looking like a quality play, he's coming in as the third best pick in the nine to five mile this week. Now, guys, don't get me wrong. All these players are elite plays, right? Like if you're, if you're favoring a player over someone else that I'm mentioning, that's that's fine. Yeah, I get it. Um, but to me, the next best play is going to be Max Homa. And kind of like last week where he just made logical sense for a starting point, just given his pricing, it kind of feels that way again. Now, he is $200 more expensive this week than he was last week at 99900 Okay. But looking at his course experience, 13th and missed cut. Okay, over the past two starts here, he is going to be a top 20 staff hit. So, you know, slight alarming stuff there that he's not a top 10 staff hit, but oh well. He's coming in in the fifth best recent form, sixth best specialist, and top 10 playing the nine to five model. We just look at the starts that he's had, they've been very elite, very strong. He is a player that to me gives a lot of confidence in a made cut. And I'm perfectly fine paying up for that. Now, Patrick Canley is coming in as the seventh best pick in the nine to five mile this week. Uh, he is someone that very interesting, you know, three straight missed cuts at this tournament and then a 23rd place finish. And that, that's kind of the difficult part about this week is that we are going to be forced into playing probably some players that don't have the best course history. Now, Key Statwise coming in as the second best staff in the field. You know, if we take out the small sample size for someone like Ming Wolui. He's the best staff in the field, okay? He is not someone that's going to make very many mistakes, and he's not someone that's going to miss that many greens, and he's going to take advantage of opportunities that are presented to him on the golf course, for the most part. And I just really like the form that he's been dialed into after that Waste Management Phoenix Open. Okay, really just one bad round there, and since then, really just been playing well. One bad round at the API as well, 74th, oh well. But honestly, I, I almost see a path in which we just start starting our builds out really with JT. JT is coming in as the second best pick in the 9-5 model, and I think that's simply due to his consistency both at this tournament and recently. He's made 10 straight cuts in a row on the PGA Tour. You look at his course history, 33rd, 1st. 35th and 11th um, going to come in as a top 20 staff at ranking out 19th in the field, top seven specialist and top 10 recent form rank. Just given the price point of JT just makes a lot of sense as a starting point this week. And then I was very shocked by this with Tony Finau, but it, it does make sense. The, the more you look at it, seven straight make cuts in a row now for Tony Finau. We can see course history wise though, miscut, miscut, 22nd, 57th. Okay. Other than that though, other than the course history ranks top 10 in specialist, Staff it, recent form rank, and coming in as a top five pick in the nine to five miles. So we are getting some really good value, it seems like, this week. And yes, part of that is due to maybe some players playing in tougher conditions last week uh, or, you know, poor course history for a lot of these players. But Tony Finau is looking like a very strong play. And he's probably going to be a player that we can bet as, as a pretty solid value outright bet as well. You would say he's due. And, and just thinking about it, like some of the past winners that we've had kind of would fit the mold of someone that would kind of be due for a win here and then lastly i really don't mind sun jm you could certainly play him uh coming in as the top 12 play, play in the nine and five model he is someone that is always consistently popping up as a solid price point play to me he's more of a shoulder shrug play this week not someone we're exactly going out of our way to play but if we find ourselves with 9k left over uh we're shrugging our shoulders and we're putting him into our builds like we are perfectly okay with sun jm as a play this week and now from there it's a very strange price point i would say for victor hovland um Man, if you're doing a fair and balanced build, once again this week, it's going to be very difficult not to like Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland went ninth place finish here last year and uh, missed cut the year before that. We can see the recent form is solid, okay? 10th, 20th, 42nd, 13th, 12 straight make cuts in a row as well. We see a victory mixed in there, albeit it was a Hero World Challenge. Don't really count that. Uh, but we can see some good, strong finishes for him. Now, I'm not sure if I want to place him as an outright bet or anything like that. But given the recent form, given the fact that he did have a 10th place finish last year, um, you know, that, that's encouraging to me. He is coming in as a top five specialist as well, which really is a good sign uh, for him as a play this week. And then 
top 10 recent form rank, top five pick in the nine to five model as a result as well. So to me, you know, we're probably just starting our builds out with JT and Hovland and feeling pretty strong about the the starting points that we were getting this week. And then really a, a strange chalk play last week, it seemed like was Willie Z. Um, or he was just a little bit higher owned than uh, expected, I should say. And I'm I'm hoping that lowers his ownership, okay? He has been someone that has been a little bit hit or miss, but we know he is someone that also does step up in these bigger events, right? This is, like I said, easily the best fantasy golf tournament that we get each season. Maybe not the last uh, two out of three, just given COVID and then obviously the weather stuff last year. But you would argue this is going to be the best tournament that we get all season, you know? Better than the Masters, better than the U.S. Open, better than the PGA Championship, and then better than the Open Championship. Just field strength. You know, we don't have any of those veteran players that are no longer good, past champions that are no longer good. You know, the exemptions to get into this field are, you know, not as crazy. It's more or less, are you a top player in the world right now? All right, you're in, which I love, but it is a more you know, difficult event. And with that, like someone like Will Zalatoris typically does play well. He's coming in as the 10th best specialist in the field, which echoes that sentiment as well. And if we look at his missed cuts, like they weren't terrible. Like this missed cut at the Farmers Insurance Open, we can definitely see it was because of a terrible round two. He finished 74th that week. So like not, not terrible. And we do see that upside finish. So he is someone to me, I'm definitely monitoring to see what his ownership is, because if it is lower than it should be, I'll probably be jumping on him as a play. Now, a lot of people are probably going to be jumping on Jordan. I don't mind it. Um, to me, he's more of a shoulder shrug play as well. Um, you know, not exactly someone I'm going out of my way to play. Cameron Young, I might chase a little bit. Um, yeah, he's just a solid player, solid golfer around. Typically not going to be someone that's shooting himself out of tournaments. He can be aggressive, um, but that, that could mean that we're getting a top 10 finish. Now, once again, Terrell Haddon is really popping up as kind of a standout price point play. And whew, it's kind of crazy, but it does make sense. I mean, look at those top 10 finishes that we're getting there um, over his recent starts. Okay. He had a 13th place finish at this event last year. Prior to that, though, three straight miscuts. Coming in as the fifth best specialist, or coming in as the fifth best stat rank play in the field, coming in as the third best specialist in the field. Okay. He's coming in in the 11th best recent form, making 11 straight make cuts in a row. And we can see like the upside finishes. Okay. Fourth, sixth, seventh, 13th, like pretty good stuff there from Terrell Hatton. And just at this price tag, it's going to be super difficult not to play him. And then lastly, looking at Jason Day, like we are definitely going to be looking at him as a play this week. <laughs> it's just crazy. 10th, 9th, 5th, 7th, 18th, miscut, you know, one bad round, still finished under par, 16th, 21st, 11th, eighth extremely good stuff there from jason day he is someone that you know miscut last year and then 35th eighth and fifth place finishes he is coming in as really a player that's kind of checking all the boxes if it weren't for that miscut at this tournament last year 22nd best specialist 13th best course history even still with that miscut 20th best staff fit and 15th best in recent form rank so just a really strong price point play there for jason day and we can kind of see it, it does look like the fair and balanced approach might be the way to go and we still have 7.7 left over for two players on average oh my goodness we are making some good builds this week and then for what's worth i am kind of curious let's see the core plays that we are getting this week are we getting any we got two Okay, so last week, guys, and this is a perfect example of how I go about setting kind of my thought process for the week in terms of roster construction, just how easy it is to make a good roster on the last week. We had about six players, I think, pop up as like data tagged core plays, and that's just players that are checking all the boxes. This week, we have two, two players. I think that's the least amount that we had really this whole season. Now, I'm actually curious. Let's see which players are coming in as high exposure plays, a decent amount. So these are players that are typically, you know, on paper, really just have one flaw to them as a play for the week. So very interesting there. I'm actually curious. Do we have any high price point fades? Hideki. 
And Decky's the only high price point fade. And then from there, McNeely, Burns, Horschel. Interesting. So I just, I always find that kind of interesting. But now we are moving down into that low tier price point tier. Now, Chris Kirk is someone that, you know, I hate the price point because he was someone I thought I was going to be on a decent amount. He was someone I thought we were going to be probably targeting a lot. And the only issue, the reason why his price is high, and if you're wondering why Xander's price is as high as he is, it's because they started out hot last week when the salaries came out 67 in round one. I honestly think because he shot 67 in round one, and the salaries came out prior to last week's tournament is because of that finish. Like, I think he would be $500 cheaper. And guys, that's a perfect example of why I wait until we get the full data from last week's tournament because it can be a big difference. It can be huge. And I think Chris Kardick is a perfect example of that. Like, we go down to someone like Corey Connors, who on paper is just a much better play. We were getting him at literally $500 cheaper. Okay, a guy that has better course history, 26th, 7th, 41st. The only issue with him is that last week he started out with a 72nd place finish and then from there had a pretty good weekend. So I don't know, it's just kind of laughable, honestly. Uh, he is someone that has made seven straight cuts in a row now as well. Uh, we have seen the upside finishes. Basically, I think if we're playing Corey Connors, we're hoping for that top 30 finish, which is pretty much what he has been doing when he's made the cut. And looking at the course history where he's finished 26th, 7th, and 31st, I will certainly take that. He is a player that we know is just going to pepper greens. He's strong and total driving ball striking and just really across the board does not have a weakness in his game overall coming in as a top 10 play in the nine to five mile seventh best course history in the field 11th best specialist as well um, really just coming in checking all the boxes at 7.4 it is simply too cheap of a price tag for him but then from there we also have other plays like keegan bradley keegan bradley is just such a strong price point play imagine he's gonna be chalk i imagine he's everyone's favorite outright bet as well just given the fact that he was in contention to win last year and it kind of seems like he has somewhat figured out how to win i guess um just given the fact that he did win at the zozo championship and he keeps putting himself in a position to win now is he clutch no but can he fall into a win yes okay uh really it was one bad round and really just one bad front nine for keegan bradley last week still finished top 10 right with that terrible of a round if you just make that a i don't know 74 obviously finishing minus eight then second place like that that's obviously a better finish okay course history wise fifth 29th, 16th, 7th. Okay. Coming in as the 13th best staff fit in the field, coming in as the 24th best specialist in the field, coming in in the 38th best recent form. Obviously, had a miscut uh, at the Genesis Invitational. That's why he's getting knocked. Uh, really, one bad round there. And then we look, he did miss the cut at the Sony Open as well. Oh, well. You know, maybe. No, I would still say he's probably a cash play. He, he's just a player that's coming in, checking all the boxes. And just look at how easy of a build this is, right? With the saw price, and we can make such a strong build, okay? And so let's continue on because there are still plenty of really solid price point plays we can make. So like Keith Mitchell. Keith Mitchell is a guy that, you know, just plays better in Florida, okay? 13th place finish at this tournament last year, miscut 47th and then 77th. So really not great there. Top 12 stat rank play in the field, okay? 14th best specialist in the field, 34th or 43rd best course history in the field coming in top 25 in recent form rank he is basically the exact same play that he was last week okay and last week he was someone that we were going out of our way to play if you guys watched last week's video i made him a core play and really the core plays did really well except for really rom okay besides that good stuff and at this price tag this is the tough part it's like do we play Corey connor's Keegan Bradley, or do we play maybe you know one of those two and Keith Mitchell? That's for you guys to decide. He is certainly looking like a great play. And so Adam Hadwin to me is a very interesting play this week. Obviously, he just had one terrible round last week, a 77 in round one. 
and he had kind of been trending towards a missed cut as well. So maybe that's just kind of a natural mental reset for him. We'll see. But prior to that, have been playing some great golf. Okay. He also does have pretty good course history, making the cut here in three out of his past four starts with a ninth place finish last year. Okay. Price point wise, a very you know, strong play. Now, that being said, do we look at someone maybe potentially like Ben Griffin? I don't know. I honestly don't know what to do with Ben Griffin because I am valuing course history. I am valuing just having experience here. And so he's going to be making his first start here, but he has been playing extremely well. One bad round at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. You know, we, we see that event. We know it's kind of a high variance event. Other than that, been playing really great golf. And so he is coming in, ranking out top 30 in the 9-to-5 model, okay? And obviously, that's going to be due to really strong recent form. 22nd in recent form rank, 43rd specialist ranking, and 33rd best staff in the field. I think we're going to get better values, and I'll show you guys that here as we progress. But he is looking like a very strong price point play as well. And so lastly, I do want to call Ricky Fowler as well, because it seems like he's going to be probably undervalued this week as well. And he could potentially be a strong pivot from maybe a chalky Keegan. You know, Keegan should be chalk. From a chalky Corey Connors, Corey Connors should be chalk. Keith Mitchell should be high owned as well and like this is kind of you know we, we know how it goes like in golf like are all three of those players great plays Keegan Corey and Keith yes Ken Ricky maybe finish slightly better than them and maybe not be as elite of a play on paper yes okay like Ricky has played great 31st 20th 10th 11th just good results here now his course history lately has not been great miscut 47th and miscut we, we don't love that but it, it finally feels like ricky is not chasing outcomes chasing results seems like he's really taking golf shot by shot and i i think it like at the beginning of the year one of my kind of bold calls is that ricky would have a resurgence year okay he'd either win a tournament this year or be in the final round of a major now that was obviously a bold call for a reason it just wouldn't be shocking to see ricky be in contention to win again this week like he has been in the past few events He's coming in as the 26th best pick in the 9 to 5 model. So a really strong price point play there as well. I'm, I'm very curious. All right. So I always mention the 9 to 5 model and whatnot. Uh, people that have been following these videos know it's, it's very predictive. It is set up to be um, a measure in which measures both safety and upside of a player. And that's really why we're really good at spining, finding value price point plays because that's what's measuring but i'm actually curious how many data points do you think are going into an individual player on a weekly basis this is something i finally looked up this week and i was actually pretty shocked i'll i'll give you guys multiple chase a is it less than 50 b is it more than 50 but less than 100 c is it between 100 and 200 data points or d is it greater than 200 data points per player? Okay, and I'll wait a little bit here. It is actually, and this is just for them ranking out as a play. We have other stuff that goes into it. Obviously, ownership, leverage, showdown plays. And that's, guys, that's why it's predictive, right? Um, 148.4 to data points on average per player. Obviously, some players have a little bit less of a sample size. That's how many data points are going into a specific play per week. Pretty crazy, right? Um, uh, that's something I looked up. I was interested in looking up. I figured you guys would be interested in, in hearing that as well. So I just want to bring up Webb. I'm not playing him this week, but he has been playing better. Um, I think some people are going to try to talk people into Webb Stinson as a play this week. And if that happens, just be cautious. He's not a good play. Uh, can, he, can he be that terrible play that wins you a GPP? Maybe. And for those of you guys that don't know what I mean by that is I did a write-up, just a breakdown of the data from last year, kind of going over the roster construction of a winning GPP lineup and, and cash lineup as well, especially in terms of like scoring and whatnot, just the makeup of it, right? The average 6%, 6 for 6% is about 7.1 last year. So we have all that data point data points. And so if we break it down by like the player, like where people start out their builds and whatnot, typically speaking, the first three players are players we would have been going out of our way to play. And if we use last week as an example, um, the winning lineup, 
had three players ranked inside of the top 10 in the nine to five model. Okay. Really good place. Then the fourth player was another player that you probably would, you know, end up on. Not a terrible play. But then these last two players and like Kirk Kitayama would fall under that category last week. And then I think it was Davis Riley was in the winning lineup as well. Two players that, you know, you probably wouldn't end up on in your builds like because they just on paper were not a great play. Now, maybe you would have found some sort of narrative to play one of them, but they're not good plays on paper. Okay, so in that sense, maybe that's why you're playing web, because to have a winning GPP lineup, you need to have something that is just not really measurable in terms of like success in terms of having a GPP winning lineup. You need to kind of have a bad play in there. And so maybe that's what, okay, I'm not playing him. I do think he's going to get talked up a decent amount this week. So I just wanted to caution people against him. And why am I not going to like really bother playing him? Because we are getting some pretty good values. So like looking at Johnny V and guys to this day, the 2020 COVID players championship is one that just lives rent free in my head. Hideki was in the, the lead and I, I forget who I think maybe Daniel Berger was playing well as well. Basically I had a lineup in seventh place when they, they canceled it and Literally no player was a risk of missing the cut. Jonathan Vegas was a core play that week because he was, I think he was priced exactly like how he is this week, maybe 6.9. He was in seventh place. I'm pretty sure when they canceled it, just looking like a, a very great week. And so maybe I have a little mental bias with, with Johnny V as a play this week, but looking at his course history, it is very good. Okay. Missed cut last year, 61st, third and 41st. Now, if we do include that first round, which I'm not, you know, it's too small of a sample size, I would say to include for, you know, course history, but good stuff there as well. Strokes gain T to green. He is one of the best in the field. He's a good ball striker, good total driver, just needs to cut down on the bogeys. He's making too many bogeys. Okay. His bogey avoidance is what is going to worry you. 68th in the field. Okay. Specialist wise, 65th in the field as well. Besides that, a pretty strong play, but as a whole coming in as a top 40 play in the nine to five mile this week, uh, value price point wise, you could certainly do worse. And so if he gives us a top 25 finish, like he has done in three out of his past four events, we will certainly take that. And once again, like we look at this miscut at the American express one bad round, right? And then a 66 and a 69 shot minus eight, like we will take that. So really one bad start. And I guess you could say the Jennifer's invitational was a bad start, but still made the cut. Like we want to make cut out of a value play, and Jonathan Vegas is going to give us a great chance to make the cut this week. Now, from there, Ryan Fox, no shock that he's popping up as a really strong price point play as well. He is playing some great golf that continued last week at the API, kind of like we thought would happen, right? Um, it, just using the DP Tour stuff, he's coming in as a 20th best specialist, 7th best staff fit, and once again, that is using DP Tour starts, so take that for what it's worth, and then a top 10 play recent form-wise as well. Once again, that's including DP Tour starts, but I'm not really knocking someone for playing well on the DP Tour, just like, like sure, you can knock him slightly, but the fact of the matter is he's too cheap given how strong of a play he is. Like I would rather play Ryan Fox at 6.7 than maybe like Brian Harmon at 7.4. Maybe see Tagala, maybe Adams. I don't know. Uh, just price point wise, he does feel like he's way too cheap. And then from there, Robbie Shelton, again, a very strong price point play. Now he did play at this tournament two years ago, missed the cut. Okay. But he does have that course experience playing some great golf, right? Uh, tough not to like him. 41st best in recent form rank, five straight make cuts in a row as well. Uh, he is someone that has shown some upside as well on the PGA tour. It wouldn't shock me to see him have a good start. Uh, he's the 43rd best pick in the nine to five model. Uh, just looking like someone we could easily end up on, especially if we're doing studs and duds. And then Justin Su as well. Justin Su, if we take out this withdrawal, which it seems like it was a real thing, right? I don't think he would have withdrawn from that tournament. It seemed like he had an actual injury. And then since then, 40th, 5th, and 24th, we go back further than that, had been finding ways to make the cut as well. So he is someone that if we take out this withdrawal, which I would say we could, I would say he was injured a bunch of made cuts in a row. And so he is someone that's also coming in 
as a top 40 play in the nine to five model. And we can get that at 6.6. Now, the issue with Justin Sutt is the fact that he doesn't have any course history, right? That, that's the worry. Uh, I think we can add pieces of Justin Sutt, Robbie Shelton, Jonathan Vegas for sure. The question is, do we need to? Because the field is loaded. And then continuing, like Adam Shang, very cheap for a guy that has been playing extremely well. Like these three players were players that went out of my way to tell you guys were great values last week. And I guess the issue with that this week would be like, yeah, they're not the best players in the world. And although they might be mispriced, like they're probably due for a miscut, I guess that'd be the worry. Adam Shank has missed two straight cuts at this tournament. Once again, yeah, that sucks. But at the same time, has played in this tournament, does have that course experience. So all in all, that should be able to help him make the cut this week. And if I talk about that write-up again, that was something that shocked me as well. A majority of the GPP winning lineups, the biggest thing in course history was simply the fact that they had a start at the tournament. Now, obviously, um, like better finishes did mean the player was a slightly better play. But as a whole, just simply having course history was a big data point there. And so he has that coming in as another top 40 play in the nine to five model. The worry with him, 60th best specialist in the field. And the worry with Justin Sugg, guys, 117th best specialist in the field. So that is very worrisome. And these are players that we do have a big enough sample size on. Now, we did see Kevin Yu really popping up there a decent amount. Uh, he is someone I really don't mind as a play. Uh, 6.4, going to be a strong price point play. He's another one coming in top 50 in the nine to five model, which has 6.4, we would certainly take. That's going to be a lot due to his, uh, you know, T7 place finish and his, you know, recent upside finishes as well. His miscuts haven't been terrible miscuts as well. Uh, the issue with them has been like really just one bad round. Uh, still shot minus five at the American Express, like not terrible. That's another high variance tournament because of it being a low scoring event. Stefan Jaeger is another one that's popping up. We could certainly play him. Uh, Tyler Duncan has made two straight cuts in a row, a third and a 33rd place finish. Could do something. For what it's worth, it does seem like Dylan Fertelli is a little bit too cheap. Okay, two straight made cuts at this tournament. Take that for what it's worth. Now, will he make the cut? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> He ranks out as someone that's going to be a cut sweat, but it is kind of clear that he's probably a little bit too cheap. And now we're getting very low. Like I would say Nate Lashley should be a value price point play. Now, should it be priced at almost the min price? Probably not. Uh, one start here in the last four years made the cut. He finished third last week. And so he's made three straight May cuts in a row. You know, he's been someone that has been playing better golf. It's really, we have seen some upside finishes from him when he has made the cut. Just price point wise, he ranks out as someone that is going to be a borderline made or miscut, but price point wise, he looks a lot better than the other players that are around his price tag. Uh, Kevin Tway, very similar play. And that's kind of it. So starting with the core plays, we're going to be looking at Corey Connors. Now I mentioned him a lot. Just on paper, he's looking like the correct play, like coming in as a top 10 pick in the nine to five model. And for what it's worth, guys, like Terrell had, I made a slight update in the in the model after yesterday's or last week's video. Terrell had ended up being a top five play. And so I, I do like the updates that I, it was a slight update that I made. But looking at like, Corey Connors looking like one of those plays in which we're kind of just being forced into playing, just given the price tag, right? Like three straight make cuts of this tournament with a top 10 finish. Recent form wise, just strong stars. Top 25 finishes really across the board. Coming in as a top 10 stat rank play as well. We can see looking at the key stats, like there's nothing alarming there. Nothing. Okay. And then specialist wise, top 12 specialists as well. Just on paper, one of the best plays that we are getting price point wise. And then from there, like guys, I am perfectly happy, honestly, just riding off the miscut last year. And honestly, I don't really care which weather wave they had. It was a big mental mental hurdle last year just with that. And so if we look at it, besides that, had good course history. And like he has really had a resurgence year. We haven't heard anything about any sort of injury lately. Okay, so with that, it's, it's, we've seen a lot more consistency, right? Besides this miscut in six events ago, his worst finish was 21st. At this price tag, given the strong course history, given the fact that he's a top 20 specialist and a top 20 staff fit, it's super difficult not to love 
Jason Day as a play this week. And now we look at Keegan Bradley as well. I would say the biggest worry with him is that he, he could easily have one blow up round. Okay. As long as he doesn't go full Keegan, we'll be fine. Full Keegan is when he has a really good round one and then just does the exact opposite in round two. As long as he doesn't do that, we're fine. He can go half Keegan. We'll be fine. He went three fours Keegan last week. I'm looking at course history. Obviously great. Fifth last year. Uh, kind of put himself in contention to win. And then right when he had done that, he made a terrible drive, terrible decision as well after that, but still finished fifth, uh, 29th, 16th and seventh. Okay. So really just great starts. Uh, key stat wise, you know, 13th best in the field. Recent form wise could be a little bit better. And that's simply going to be because of the random miscuts 94th, two events ago. And uh, 121, three events ago. So I would say like, typically speaking, I want a golfer coming in with three straight make cuts in a row. I want them to be a top 30 staff at, but given the price tag, given the upside that I think we get, if he is on his game, I think Keegan Bradley makes for a great play. He's also someone that does have ties to the Florida area currently living there. So a really strong price point play, I would say as well. And then from there, I, I kind of just love the price tag of Victor Hovland as well. To me, he is someone that just is kind of a standout play given the price tag. Okay, course history wise, ninth last year and then a miscut, you know. Oh, well, miscut in his first start here, right? Fifth best specialist in the field. Love that. 17th best staff in the field like that. My biggest question with Victor Hovland is I never saw him as someone that really was a threat to win last week. I actually kind of never see him as a threat to actually win a tournament uh, in these big fields with all the top players in the world. So I just, I'm very curious as to where he is at mentally. Does he feel like last week was a week in which he should have won or was he content with the top 10 finish? It's tough to say, but on paper at this price tag, a very strong price one play as well. And then lastly, I think it will be rolling with JT. Now he has been a little bit inconsistent. I really wish we were getting better upside starts. And I think that's why we're getting him at this price tag, but he is someone that does have good course history four straight make cuts in a row at this tournament, fourth best, uh, rank in course history and once again if we do like two three four starts at this tournament he, he's the best one okay um second best pick in the nine to five mile it's going to be because he's a good specialist good staff at good recent form like across the board just a strong safe play and once again that is a measure that my model is ranking like if you guys want to see like the win rank for betting that's on the betting chart okay slightly different because we don't care about the the risk we don't care about the downside we're chasing the upside and so you guys already see the build that i was able to build Okay, let's go ahead and put this into the nine to five lineup builder. And you know what, guys, I didn't really mention it, but I would also say like, I would say all these guys I'm kind of treating as core plays as it sits right now. Obviously, I'm recording this a little bit earlier than I typically do as well. Uh, so, you know, this stuff could change, but I really don't think it is. Like on paper, this is a very strong build. Um, and looking at the FanDuel salary, like, right? Like FanDuel is saying that this build is too good is what we're seeing here. Pretty good make cut percent. The biggest issue would be um, we have some random missed cuts mixed in there. That's the biggest worry. There's a recent form rank with this build, but on paper, a spectacular build that we are getting here. We got strokes gain total over their last five starts, average rank of 21st. It's really strong build on paper, but it's going to be easy to make a good build on paper this week. It just is. And then lastly, I'm actually very curious as to which build the lineup builder is currently seeing. Sorry, the last thing was the lineup tool. This is the lineup builder, slightly different. You know, lineup tool is just hand build lineup that you want to see how it looks on paper, right? Give yourself the best educated lineup that you can possible and see what it looks like on paper. For this, I just, we need to set two data points. So whatever, I'm going to do max exposure for ROM, 30% of max exposure for Rory, 30%. That's, you just need to put two data points in this for it to work. So typically I like to do 30% max exposure anyways, and three players per unique build. Oh, that doesn't matter right now. I just want to see what is the best build on paper that we are getting. We can see Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, Terrell Hatton, Jason Dade, Adam Scott, Corey Connors. Okay, max of 500. Okay, we can see though, 
Very easy to make a strong build, right? Very easy. Adam Scott's actually popping in there a decent amount. We got Chris Kirk popping in there. It does kind of seem like the fair and balanced approach is kind of going to be the way to go. Okay. And let's just look at the statistics of this min salary. Okay. That's good. And max salary, like pretty good average points. That's about good as well. And so if we were to look at the average points of a build, if you want to, you could go back to this write-up and like normal scoring events, you don't really need that much points to cash in a normal scoring event and single entry contests for GPP is a little bit higher to win a GPP in a normal scoring event, about 616 on average. So we can see we're pretty close here with that build. And then with these builds, extremely close as well. The thing with it is, this is a very easy week to make a very good build. So there's there's kind of the, the distinction there. So obviously that point total should be hard because all the builds are going to be a little bit easier to make. All right, guys, long video, but it was a fun video. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, you know what to do. Give a like and subscribe. If you guys want access to the 9 to 5 PGA DFS membership, it's the best value in PGA DFS. Gives you access to all the tools that you need and more. Um, it's it's a lot, but $10 a month, like you really can't beat it. Um, if you guys have been using the sample builds really this whole season, you've been cashing a majority of the time. Um, probably about, I would say, 70% of the time. So just in itself, if you're doing that, worth it. Um, that's the thing. It's like I price it in a way in which you can win your money back in the first week. Like you're not spending your DFS funds trying to win the money back. And especially with the prize picks, prop or cheat sheet included in that as well, it's much easier now to win back that money. And that's how I set up my membership. I want it to be easy to follow along like data-wise, to come in and find the best plays so that you're not wasting your time. Thus, it should be easier for you to then profit and win your money back with the membership. All right, that's all. Thanks for watching, guys. That's Ivan Slate. And as always, let's keep cashing.